Welcome to the first episode of the new Meridian 223 podcast. It's made for teachers, for teachers. Our goal is to provide information for teachers as well as to interview teachers in our district with the intent of sharing exciting activities that are going on in our district classrooms. It is a platform that will allow all of us the opportunity to share and learn from each other. If you are interested in being interviewed or sharing ideas on our podcast, please let Ryan or Kat know via email. We did have two teachers lined up this last spring, but due to the interruption in our spring semester, we were not able to interview these two teachers. We are hoping that in the fall, we will be able to continue these interviews for the upcoming school year. This podcast is dedicated to the Meridian MCUSD 223 who are searching for ways to promote their teachers and students. This podcast is looking to build a brand in our community. We are your hosts, Ryan Reed. Kathy Murphy. And we make up the business and technology department at Stillman Valley High School. So who are we? Well, let's give you a brief overview of who we are. So first of all, I am Ryan Reed. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I am the business and technology teacher. I've been doing education for a whole decade. I have a master's and doctorate. Yes, a doctorate. Uh, Trust me, my partner back here is waiting for that uh, in instructional technology and education. So I am a tech guy that infuses tech into the classroom and into studies. So that is who I am. And otherwise than that, you know, I'm happily married with uh, my son who is uh, outside our studio right now playing Angry Birds as we record this uh, and a dog and all other fun stuff in that. So I'll turn it over to my partner, Kathy. Hi, my name is Kathy Murphy. I am also the business and technology teacher up here at Stillman Valley High School. At the present time, I oversee our department. Um, um, I have a master's degree too, but not in technology. I have it in theology. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so I have a lot of background in pastoral um, work. Um, I have been here at Stillman, I think either 14 or 15 years, I've kind of lost track now. It's been great teaching here at Stillman and I love what we're doing in the classroom. I love working with Ryan and I also live on a farm in Winnebago and I love farming as well. And if you need a good source of dairy products, please look <laughs> up the Murphy Farm in Winnebago. <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, <laughs> that's who we are. So in our first episode, we're going to be talking about books we've been actually reading here. Actually, before all this craziness happened with COVID, as this time this we record, this is our first episode. We're going to shoot for July of uh, 2020 that we've been reading for the summer that could inspire and create for your students as it has for ours and what we have taken away for them and what we're excited about. So we will get to that starting right now. So our first book we are going to look at is Control-Alt-Achieve by Eric Kurtz. This is a wonderful book. Eric has been a teacher for several, several years. And of course, his blog, Control-Alt-Achieve, I found out a couple years ago. So I am going to, of course, leave this link into the show notes because Eric has just tons and tons of wonderful pieces on his website. He also had a recent birthday. So happy birthday there, Eric. We're not going to give away your age. (laughs) He's a very, you know, very nice guy, but I don't think we need to be talking here. So (laughs) control all achieve. I'm actually going to turn this over to Kathy here. She'll go in a little bit more detail from reading it. Well, this book, Ryan, you recommended to me to read the summer, which I did. 
And of all the books I've read, this book, Control-Alt-Achieve, has probably been the best book that I've read this summer because of the various examples they give in regards to Google projects for the classroom. I think it's really beneficial to teachers. Um, I know that I've been looking at a lot of them. It covers Google Docs, Google Slides, and Google Sheets. Google Sheets, the information he has on Google Sheets is extremely impressive, especially if you're looking at some science, math. Um, I know that it's got some very creative ideas in there on how you can use Google Sheets in your classroom. But across the board, he has got so many ideas that they're exciting, they're practical, and they're easy to follow. Right. Plus, he has so many templates that he has on his blog that you can actually download for free and use them. You can alter them the way you want them. You just have to remember that you have to give him credit um, for those initial templates. Yes. And I mean, he, I was going over some pieces like, you know, I teach multimedia and we've got, we do blackout poetry and we do some other stuff using Google tools and Adobe and a few other ones. And really, I liked how Eric just gave me, he just gave some nice point. He, he, he has something for everybody. It doesn't matter if you teach business, social studies, math, which is funny because I have a, page here on math where he talks about highlighting story problems to help him using the highlighted oh, yeah. text, yes. which was fantastic as well as for me from blackout poetry. Cause I've done it kind of the old fashioned way in class, get our newspapers, magazines. And I tried doing some stuff uh, using Google drawings, which he even talks about in this book. So shout out there. It's my favorite um, Google app is uh, Google drawings, but he just said, showed ways of how to just make it so much easier changing the backgrounds. I have students, I had seniors this past year who never even knew they could change the background color in either Google docs or even my Microsoft Word. They said, wait, I can change the background from white. I said, yes, you can. He just gives straight out. He has images, pieces. One thing also, this is like not like a little like hand say eight by 11 book. I mean, this is an actual book you can open up, look colorful. at, colorful. I've got a color tab. I mean, you can't see it here and just how he does it. Um, I really liked how he also infused other tools for app smash as well as curations between different tools. I mean, we talked about Google Sheets. I use it a lot for my pixel art for classrooms and conditional formatting. We found a great way to do mosaic artwork and letter art. So I'm teaching graphic design. So any uh, teachers who teach graphic design and want to do a little some more of that, um, you know, electronic learning, there is some great stuff in here that Eric just so puts out nice and even. It's easy to follow. Links to his website. I mean, it's great. He has a YouTube channel. He goes through those very nicely, too. So, I mean, we'll leave that in the show notes. The other thing I think you brought up is when you brought the issue of highlighting. The thing that's so unique about his book is he takes those basic skills and he shows you how to use them in such a creative way. And, you know, some of the things that he brought up um, as far as using highlight and color coding, um, I never really ever thought about using them that way. Mm -hmm. And so now looking back over what I'm going to do this fall, I'm starting to use some of those ideas in the classroom because I think it's another way to help them with reading and note taking. Um, I just I just think some of his ideas were fantastic using just basic tools yeah. that any kid could actually use. You know, you know, I mean, it's just basic. And it doesn't matter if it's desktop or mobile. I mean, it's mm -hmm. very simple. I mean, right now, this, I mean, you know, you talked to me six years ago when I was a lowly tech facilitator over at CLS. I mean, some of the tools we have now in Google just worked on desktop. 
or the app worked great, but didn't work great on desktop. Now they've gotten so seamlessly between the two. They just work so much cleaner. Yep. And I just say it's it's a great way. So, I mean, uh, I think Eric's done a fantastic job of this book. I've got my tabs here. Kathy can see all my nice little color tabs. <laughs> I mean, not that she doesn't tab her stuff. It's just not color coordinated like I do. And we'll be talking about that in our next book afterwards. So, yeah, I definitely have to hugely, uh, uh, definitely recommend Control-Alt-Achieve by Eric Kurtz. It's just he's done a fantastic job with this book. And um, I found him out a couple years ago, and I'm just so glad I discovered him. Yeah. I give him a thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Great book. So our second book we're going to do is the Microsoft Infused Classroom by Holly Clark and Tanya Averitt. And you might remember those names because they did the Google Infused Classroom a couple of years ago, which is um, actually I will I will do a shout out to that book. If you get control alt achieve, I would probably look into Holly and Tanya's uh, Google Infused Classroom because they can really nicely complement each other. But going to the Microsoft Infused Classroom, um, I, uh, Holly and Tabitha have Tanya, I should say. I'm sorry, Tabitha. I'm thinking Tabitha. <laughs> We'll give you a shout out there. So anyhow, but what I really do like, this really gives you a nice little view into the Microsoft uh, platform uh, for using the different tools. I'm Kathy here herself is mouse certified for uh, Microsoft tools. I use Word hugely. Um, there's some takeaways. I'm actually going to let Kathy go into the segue in here with micro, uh, Microsoft Infused Classroom, and I'm going to jump in here on well, the rest. I think what's really great is that we're not talking about Microsoft um, that's on your computers. We're talking about Microsoft Office Suite that's free for students and teachers online. And here at Stillman Valley and throughout our district, we do have a free account set up for our teachers and our students. If you have any issues with that, you need to contact Nick. But we started this spring in Intro to Computers introducing our students to the online version of Microsoft, which was quite interesting. Um, and um, it's, it's a little different than your version on your computer. It doesn't have as many features in Google or in Microsoft Word or PowerPoint. Um, it's a little bit limited. But here's the best thing about the online is that if you use Google Forms, you're more than likely going to love Microsoft Forms. Oh, yes. I will hugely agree with we, that one. Ryan and I started using that this spring. And to be honest with you, the ability to get the information um, from the students, getting the assessments um, was much easier and much clearer than in Google Docs, in yeah. the Google Forms, excuse me. Um, so, I mean, I thought Microsoft Forms is much better um, as far as that goes. And there's a lot of tools up in Microsoft online version that is excellent. Yes. You know, Sway, Pear Deck. Um, I know we're going to talk about some of these other ones as well, but there's some really great tools up there that you can use for your kids um, that if you don't really feel comfortable with Google um, products, you might, and you feel comfortable with Microsoft, this might be a route for you to go with your students. Yeah, and you can you can actually use um, Microsoft Forms very similar to Google Forms. I mean, the difference is is to make sure your school students and teachers are on the same platform because those who are very familiar with Google and like I said, we just talked about Eric and other people is you know you just say hey, limit it to my domain. So then that way your students say oh, I got to put in my email, and then I just put a little you know short one that says enter your name. If you're not on the same platform, Microsoft 
uh, forms, it won't give you that option. So then the kids would have to have a little space to yep. put in their names to log in. That's the only unfortunate situation because usually what's nice about forms is you can get that spreadsheet so fast and immediately conditional format and it's so smoother and um kathy and i are definitely going to be moving a lot of our quizzes and that to uh, microsoft forms more in the fall for our plan doesn't mean i'm throwing out google forms because i can use it for a lot of things from surveying to some other data which is really great but i feel right now my microsoft forms are much more cleaner and it's a little bit more user friendly and once you know you have your students all on the same platform it works great. And we talked about um, Pear Deck. Pear Deck, um, I've been using for a couple years. I love using Pear Deck. It works with Microsoft. It works with Google. And it even works with Keynote on Apple, just for anybody who is an Apple tablet teacher. Pear Deck is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Because what is so nice is it gives you real feedback. It gives you real time. You can assess your students in time. My little, my little piece is I have my computer hooked up to my projector, and then I have my iPad in my hand, and I just go right through that. I can control it. I can walk around the room. Hey, be, you know, because we don't know what schools look like in the fall. I can stay permanent away, you know, my six feet, 15 feet, and just tap on my iPad, ask the questions, and guess what? I'm getting all my feedback, and it can directly upload to your you know, your OneDrive on Microsoft, it can go right to your Google Drive, and you got all the information. So if, you know, you have a question, say, hey, how did that student do? I'd be like, there's your information. Just go ahead and look at it. But you know what's great about Pear Deck is the interactive tools in it, in the sense that, you know, you can be giving a lecture or be talking to them about a specific activity you want them to do, and then you can stop and use specific tools to get feedback from them to find out where they're at and if they're understanding. So that interactive ability, I think, for Pear Deck is wonderful. Yeah. I think that's very good. The other one, like, I just started using Sway, and Sway is more for storytelling. Because mm -hmm. what would be um, co uh, compatible to Sway in Google? The closest I can say for Sway is book maybe uh, Book Creator would be okay. the best. You know, Book Creator is completely unique. Book Creator, by the way, if anybody uses Book Creator, I use it for some student portfolios for my uh, marketing class. I am going to continue working because it's so clean. It works with Google, Microsoft, Apple is so nice. Yep. Um, I think it's the closest you have for a compliment. I used Sway a couple years ago. I loved it, but then it was kind of limited between accounts and so forth. But now it's just, it's really updated, really nice. Well, I know that we had issues in the fall, spring with Microsoft because our students, as you said, we have one email address and our students have another. Mm -hmm. And supposedly um, our tech department is supposed to be fixing that so that um, we won't run into those issues in the fall. But um, I think Sway was great for storytelling if you want them to tell a story. I know I'm using it in accounting um, to have them talk, write a story about the five accounting principles and applying it. So it's a great way for expression and that you can put in pictures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it has themes in there you can choose from, color, all that kind of stuff. So that's an exciting tool as well. Um, do you want to talk about Adobe Spark? Yeah, Adobe Spark. So I've been using Adobe Spark for quite a while. Um, and Adobe Spark is a whole system. Uh, the main three people might be familiar with either mobile or desktop is post, video, and page. And what I love about Adobe Spark is, first of all, it's universal. It works great. You can have a login through Google, Microsoft, personal email account. And if you're, and this will be a shot if you're a school that looks at Adobe products for your system or for certification for your students, this is great. But Adobe Spark is just amazing. You can make infographs. We'll talk a little bit more actually in one of our other books coming up here shortly. Uh, videos, how-to videos, podcasting. You can actually put it all on a student web page. 
which can be shared on a blog, social media, Google Sites, you name it. You can Wakelet. embed it. Wakelet, yeah. Flipgrid, it is fantastic. We'll talk about a little bit of that a little bit later. But SparkPost is great. All you have, I mean, it's point, click, add, and you just go creative. They have the huge Creative Commons images and videos to use. And you can upload your own, record your own sounds. And you can just do so much with it. Um, I'll do a link to my uh, my uh, Dice Up the Classroom blog where I've used it for other students too. But I love using Adobe Spark for my multimedia class. I love using it for marketing. It's fantastic. There's a lot in this Infuse Classroom book for Microsoft. There's tons of software in here that you can use. We're not going to spend all our time talking about it. But there's Teams. There's uh, Socrative. What is it? Socrative. The Socrative. Um, and there, there are so many things in there. They talk about Skyping, mm -hmm. um, about how you can use that effectively. So I think, you know, if you really want something that's compatible to um, Control-Alt-Delete for Google, um, the Microsoft Infused Classroom kind of falls in line with that. Um, just lots of activities and lots of software that you can look at. Again, they have templates that you can use on their website. You can download them, mm -hmm. make copies. Um, again, it's just about giving them credit. And then you can alter them any way you want. Exactly. And even if, let's say you're a younger school, which isn't even on Classroom or, or uh, Schoology, you have Seesaw. There are tons of Seesaw examples. I used Seesaw, my previous at Jackson, where we used that for the younger kids for portfolio. And there's something for everything. And there's even Flipgrid. You know, I'm a yep. Flipgrid fanatic. Ask Kathy. And Flipgrid is <laughs> done so much now as far as you know being able to scan codes and all this other kind of stuff that they've really upgraded Flipgrid a lot. Augmented reality which is yeah. amazing. The only thing is with Flipgrid I think um, if you use it too much um, I have found in the classroom the kids get kind of bored with it. Yeah. Um, but so that's why I think you know the more tools you have under your belt the more variety you can kind of alter you can kind of alter and move around and I think it keeps the kids engaged so they're not using the same tool over and over and over again. Mm. Just like us we get kind of Board with it, um, our kids will be in the same boat, you know. So I think is if you have a, a vast amount of tools that you can draw from to keep the kids engaged, it's really I think very productive. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think I'll go for everything we're talking about. It. So that's going to uh, wrap up our segment on, of course, the microfused. Exactly, by Holly and Tanya. So, so nicely done, you too. Please check out their website. Also, um, Holly has a Facebook group. If anybody's on here, they are fantastic. Ask them any questions, and somebody on there will help you really. And if you need to know how to access Microsoft free online, um, just type in Microsoft Office 365 free for students and teachers, and you'll get a link there, and all you have to do is sign in. Yep, nice it. and clean. Yep. All right, welcome to our third segment. This segment is going to be on a book called Educated Design by Michael Cohen. He is a, a rabbi. Ryan will talk a little bit more about that. This book, if you um, want to really get more creative in your classroom, this book is for you. Um, he talks, he redefines creativity. If you find that, you know, you think, um, you're kind of stymied in your classroom because it's not as creative as you want it to be. This is a book to, to get. Um, he's so creative. He redefines um, what creativity as being moving from an action to more of a mindset, which I found extremely fascinating. And I know if you want to say a little bit more on that, Ryan. Well, and that's what I mean. I mean, Mike, Michael teaches entrepreneurship at his class. And he actually, he, his is a year long and he actually has two levels. He has 
the classic one in advance, you know, as an entrepreneurship teacher myself. Um, one thing, I went right to Michael's book my first year doing this, and Michael really just talked about the use of creativity, understanding failure. But he also said, you know, as we always say, you know, fail, first attempt and learn. He said, but he added the full, you know, upon reflection. Because yeah. if you do not, you know, there's one thing we're saying, okay, that failed because I forgot to put this here for it. More of like, no, why did that fail? Why is this not working? Why are people saying this is a good product or item, but nobody is investing in it? He talks about you got to reflect on it. And that's well, what I really like. To go that. along with that, when PJ first came in to our district, he introduced fail to us. And the thing that struck me in this book, when you were talking about failure, he really emphasizes that failure is an occurrence. And this is a quote from it. It's something that happens. It isn't who we are and it doesn't define us. We aren't failures. I thought that was awesome. And that is, that's actually what is so fantastic about that too. Cause I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, Michael, one thing is, I mean, he is uh, known on social media as the tech rabbi. He was, you know, technology huge. I mean, I've, if you've seen his YouTube videos, I mean, his office is absolutely awesome. And he's a <laughs> big tech guy from Adobe to Google to Microsoft to everything. But I really love how he used the ways like, you know, technology is to aid and infuse your creativity. He's like, it's not replacing teaching. You don't, you know, use it to say, Hey, this technology will make your life all better. He's like, no, he's not about that. He's about improving it. We talked about Adobe Spark in the last part. He talked about using posts such as labeling, like parts of an insect, plants, using videos to explain things. One of my favorites he does is the candle problem. If you've ever done this, you know, basically you give students a candle, a, a, a little small box with tacks in it, usually only a couple tacks and a set of matches. And what the trick is, you've got to use just those tools to get to light the candle, but the, so the wax will not drip on the table. And guess what? You can't use the table. <laughs> and it is so amazing because the first time I did this, my students were like bewildered, but they solved it in 10 minutes. A lot of them solved it in 10 minutes. They look at it. I had one class that did it in like five minutes. They just completely understood how to work it. But, you know, Michael even talks in his book one time. He had a set of students that took 40 minutes. It just, they were just like, how do I use this? How do we do this? And a lot of them sometimes is. But he's talking about, you know, using your inventors, your engineers, your problem thinking. That's what I really love about this book. Michael just gets into that thinking task. He gives examples of his students. He gives examples of what he's done. And it's fantastic the way this book is done. Well, also, too, he said, if you aren't failing, then you're not innovative enough. Exactly. And he's quoting a guy named Ellen Musk. Oh, yeah. Ellen Musk was um, a great. And if, you, if that name sounds familiar, the, <laughs> the space shuttle just went up, the new dragon. Yep. There you go. This is a guy who at 17 was lucky he had five bucks in his pocket. <laughs> you know, he talks a lot about creativity is rooted in purpose. And it is super messy, which just goes back to your story about the candle. Um, and that when you use technology, you need to understand that it's going to be messy when you give the kids an opportunity to be creative, to invent in their in your classroom. It's going to be messy. It's going to be loud. They're going to run into failure. And it's up to us as teachers to emulate to them how you handle failure and how you progress to that next step that motivates you to work through your failure. Right, exactly. So I, I think that's what's so great about this book. But yeah, I'm highly, I mean, it doesn't matter if you are an entrepreneurship class teacher, you use a lot of technology, you don't. I would even say this goes as far as industrial arts, yep. social studies, anything, AP even. Because let's face it, one thing about, you know, I, you know, I don't teach AP. 
we're trying to teach an AP class. <laughs> yeah. But all the other AP teachers, you know, they go out there, they get the kids messy, they teach them this because it's extremely relevant yep. in doing that. So, Well, I think one of the things that he talked about too, he talks about empathy, compassion. He works, he talks about collaboration. He defines collaboration in a totally different level. Because I know a lot of teachers have been concerned about collaborating one kid does the whole thing and mm -hmm. the rest of them. And he really talks about collaboration in a different way and trying to understand what collaboration truly is when you're looking at the business world. And when these kids get out, they're going to be expected to collaborate in a way that's productive. Right. And so he has a whole segment that talks about collaboration and how you can take a different vision of collaboration and implement that in your classroom, which I think is fantastic. I'm not going to share that because I think get the book and read yes, it. Yes, please. Because it's really kind of a cool way that he looks at things. But the thing that really got me starting to think um, as a business teacher, he starts with, he says, creativity, empathy starts with a desire to help others and makes an impact. Like he brought Thomas Edison. Oh, yeah, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison one. didn't really want to create the light bulb. He wanted to solve the problem of being able to read in the dark. Exactly. To me, those are two different um, motivations. And I was thinking, I know I shared this with you earlier, if I want to be a doctor, do I want to be a doctor because I'm going to make money, I have a great house, or I'm, do I want to become a doctor because I want to help people who are suffering? Right, exactly. To me, those are two different outcomes. And two different success, success, success stories. I can't say that word. Um, to me, <laughs> we can't edit that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, it seems to me that the one that is going to be one that wants to solve problems for people is the one that's going to have the empathy, is going to be the one that's going to be the most successful and the most fulfilled person. So when we're talking about how do we help kids decide on careers, I thought here is a great example of why are you interested in that field? That just simply to make money, success is probably going to be an issue. Exactly. But, yeah. I mean, so pick it up. You can't have my copy because I actually have it signed by Michael. So <laughs> you can't have my copy. But yeah. It's a great book. It's got a lot of theory in it. Um, and, but it's very down-to-earth theory that you can understand. He has a lot of great examples. And he even has a lot of little tidbits in there that you can do in your classroom. But I'm extremely impressed with this book. Yeah. Thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Big thumbs up. So our next segment, which I'm introduced to this one because I do have the know this book very well, is the Edu Ninja Mindset, 11 Habits for Building a Stronger Mind and Body, which is written by Jennifer Burtis. Now, if that name sounds familiar, if you flash back several, about a decade ago, she might have been that five foot two elementary teacher who ran the American Ninja course not once but twice, amazing. which is absolutely amazing here. Uh, Jen Burtis, and I have actually, I'm part of her uh, uh, Winning Edge Fitness, which uh, she started here during the COVID here for a lot of teachers who wanted to get uh, exercises as well regular people between um, her exercise. But so what does this have to do with uh, teachers? So first of all, Jennifer, fantastic, wonderful, inviting person with the blue hair, as we like to call it. <laughs> but um, uh, I got the book a couple years ago. Um, I immediately was reading. I got hooked on this. And the reason why is because she talked about bringing a mindfulness to the classroom. Like, what is important to your students? What is important for what you're trying to teach? Not just, well, here's what you should be drinking a gallon of water a day. You know, everybody should be eating healthy. Hey, the kids should learn how, what is the difference between, you know, a mile and 20 dashes? 
But what I really like is about what she talked about in her room is they beat, you know, is looking, it's like, when I taught my students, they were shocked to learn about what, about their favorite uh, pieces and choices and ways that affects their body. Because sometimes we don't think about our habits affect the way we learn in the classroom. Um, something that's been really great with her is how she really looks at it because um, she was talking about um, demonstrating mindset affects learning because it's important for teachers to show students how minds, mindset affects learning. And basically, on those notes, I asked students about positive self-talk. You know how she says right here, well, a student says, I can't do this. And she says, no, I believe what you mean is you don't understand how this is going to work for you. How does this work? Or more of like, well, what isn't working? Not, I can't do this. And I think that's a big mindset because let's face it, even many times as teachers, we say, I can't use this. This is just not working. I can't myself. I mean, one thing we did when we switched to remote learning, like everybody else around here in the country, I can't learn Google Classroom. I have to be in classroom on a chalkboard or whiteboard. And I have to have my, you know, history channel documentaries on the, you know, the French Revolution. I can't do that. But then it was more of like, well, you have to change your mindset, not your teaching, but your mindset of how you apply that. And, you know, I think this book, I know I have not read this book yet. It's next on my agenda. But I think what she's pointing out, based on what you're sharing with us, is what we find in all these books that we're sharing, is that it's all about a mindset, not only of the students, but of the teachers. Um, how are you approaching? I know it was difficult um, mindset for teachers and students with um, this last spring to adjust to a different way of um, teaching. Right. And that, that is a, a difficult thing to do, especially at the last minute when all of a sudden you have no warning and all of a sudden now you are expected to contact your teacher, your students and, you know, tap into getting them doing work and this and that, and people were all over, you know, it's, it was a challenge for all the teachers, but again, it goes back to mindset. And that's what I like about Michael Cohen, Cohen when he talked is that it's about a mindset, right. you know, with the book we're going to talk about here later about empower. It's all about a change in mindset, which is difficult, I think. Um, and, but I, I think the books do challenge you to think about um, another way to expose your students to things about choice. And that was a big thing for Jen herself. She had to take her own advice when this happened. She was, uh, you know, taking a year off. She was focusing on the different correlations, sports, health, and also the work set up for her school district. Well, all of a sudden, school wasn't meeting. What was she going to do? And she had it in her mind like, wait, what is important to people? And she said, I got to reach out to people. She created the Winning Edge. She created a new podcast with a well-known sports star. I mean, she got into this whole new set. And at the same time, it inspired her because she was going to the, you know, she lives in California. She was going to the gym. She was doing her crow poses, her yoga. Well, all of a sudden, you can't go to the gym. You can't go to the beaches. You're stuck at home. What are you going to do? And at the same time, it changed her mindset because she said, you know what? I can still do this at home and I can be inspiring for people too. And I think that was the biggest thing. And that, you know, that coordinates with our previous books with Michael's and Eric's and even Holly and Tanya's. We're talking about that whole mindset, that whole shift. We had to change our mindset of things, not just yep. the way we did things, but how we view things and how we, you know, inspire and how we innovate. Yep. And it's inspiring is is the, the thing that I think is really important. How do you inspire your students? Not only engage them, but I think it's more than engaging. If you're just settling with engagement, um, that's not enough. No. It's, it's inspiring them to think outside the box, to think how can my ideas 
change the world. Exactly. How can my ideas, like her ideas, how can I help other people, which goes back again to Michael Cohen, mm-hmm. how can I help other people solve a problem? Exactly. And I think that's what we should be working at toward in our classrooms. It's like, how do we um, get these kids excited about taking their ideas and how can they change the world with them? Exactly. That's why I brought this book up. I want to be focused. It is. It's a mindset change. And it nicely, you know, goes into Michael's book and what we'll be talking here in the next segment with Empower. Thumbs up. Welcome to our last segment. We are going to be looking at Empower by John Spencer and A.J. Giuliani. The thing that really caught me in this, I know that Ryan and I are both business educators. Um, We've been rooted in business education for quite a while now. But the most powerful thing I think that John Spencer and A.J. say in this book is that we want our students to be consumers. In other words, are they consuming what we as teachers are selling in our classroom? Are they buying our product? Are they buying into it? If the answer is no, um, I think we are challenged Mm -hmm. to think about how do we make our students consumers of what we're selling. And, that, and that's the biggest thing, because I, I read John and AJ's previous book, um, Launch, which is, and I always say Launch is a nice, you know, the pre-book to Empower, and then AJ wrote his own one, which was PBL, but they all complement. But Empower was the biggest one as consumer, because, you know, I use the big one, you know, I teach consumer ed, I teach marketing, but my biggest one on marketing is if, the, if they're not buying what you're selling, then you're not doing what you're supposed to. There's no, it's, it's not just about engagement. Yes, you want your lessons to be engaged. You want marketing to be engaged. You want your product and lessons be engagement but engagement only goes so far yep you have to you have to make sure the kids are buying what you're selling um and, and i know we come from a business perspective but he also talks about it from an entrepreneur's perspective um, that every single student will need in their lifetime um entrepreneur skills like being a self-study yep. a self-manager being able to be self-directing um, have self-purpose and self-confidence. If we're not instilling that in our students in our classroom, then they are not going to buy our product. And I think you know we look at our education in our classroom, the things that we are trying to sell to our students as products. Are they buying them or are they looking at us like, okay, um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to memorize it just to please you and get a grade and move on. Exactly. And that's a big, and this goes back to my under, my undergraduates in theater and I with some business management in the background. But one thing I was always taught in theater was doesn't matter if you are the person with two lines on the stage or you're the star of the show. If you are not selling who you are as that character and making it who you are, then guess what? Nobody else is going to buy in it. The yeah. actors are not going to buy in it. The audience is not going to buy in it. And your story is just going to fizzle and it, away. It, filter, it filters through the entire play or musical. Exactly. I, I too did theater like that too. And you realize that even the smallest person on the stage, and I think about that in the classroom, even that one quiet student, if that person is not being engaged, if that person's not buying what we're selling as a productive product for the future. And what I mean by that is, is it something that they feel that they can use down the road um, to help solve a problem? You right. Know, and if they, the kids have to realize that when they get out as entrepreneurs, and this is what entrepreneurs do, they solve problems. And so if they can't take those skills and solve a problem, what type of skills do they have? 
Right. And I mean, one thing is they always say, what does choice matter? Choice is what is content for our students to consume and what activities they take on in and out of school and what the assessments they take and choice and the purpose of their learning, which yep. is right out of there. And they talk about that in Lodge and in PBL as well. Our, I think our job as teachers, what he says in there is, uh, is not just to teach kids something, but we're largely to teach them ready and get them ready for anything. Because these kids are kids that are you know, we hear it over and over again. They're preparing for jobs that aren't out there. Well, that's kind of scary as teachers. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it, we feel like we're kind of blinded by it. But every single student um, has got to be able to thrive in a changing world. And our products, I believe, uh, need to help them be able to do that. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a great one. I, I know and um, here with the IM Press here. But, yeah, John and AJ just do wonderful jobs. They also give some diagrams. They give examples. Yep. Um, if you really love Empower, I really highlight getting their previous book, Launch, which is really great. Believe it or not, I know two fellow school districts, not too far one, where they definitely use the launch and the Empower cycle. And if you're just looking and saying, you know, I have I have this already and I want to just enhance it, then pick it up. But also, if you're looking for better ways to assess or maybe even do journaling for students, pick up PBL by AJ because it's got he's got so much just right out there spelled, including copies to the website, and it's really, really good to use. Thumbs up for this book. Oh, yes. So to wrap up this podcast, uh, Kathy and I are actually going to do a book that we just recently uh, just got in the mail. Seriously, we like got this a couple days ago. This is how We're going to make you sail the seven seas. Yeah, the <laughs> sail the seven seas with Microsoft Education by Becky Keene and Kathy Kurizowski. Very First of all, wonderful women. I actually saw Becky speak at a conference a couple years ago. Becky is just fun, and she just knows what you're doing. So basically... Um, Sail the seven seas um, for Microsoft. First of all, you're looking at me probably thinking, uh, you know, whether you're listening on your computer or got this on your way to work or in this grocery store, the kids are saying something back. It's like seven seas. I know the four seas and the five seas. Seven seas stands for community uh, collaborators, communication creators, critical thinkers, con computational thinkers. Right. <laughs> and change makers. So those are the yeah, seven seeds. We also note that Ryan and I are both in process of reading this book. We have not finished yet, but we're in process. Yeah. So, so far, and I've only gotten about, I, I think that's like the first two chapters in, and we're, we're talking about a lot of the toolkits because believe it or not, they, um, right now, Becky and Kathy definitely talk about using more of the advanced levels. So we're definitely saying if you're doing early levels, this goes back to what we said about Microsoft Infused Classroom or even Control All the Chief, where you have yeah. early levels of that. So this is taking it honestly to the next level. This is like immediate to advanced users. Um, I mean, cause they even talk about micro, um, um, Minecraft, which I'm pretty sure my son is out there on his iPad playing with too. And I love Minecraft too, but they talk about a great way to use oh. it for classrooms. But at the same time, it is like where a school district doesn't have it. So that right now, we can't use that. They also talk about a great way to use Skype. And yep. um, we can use Skype, but we just don't use it as much as we thought to. But Microsoft Forms is in here using Pear Deck with Microsoft. I mean, Definitely something to take away. So I'm kind of excited because right now in the first uh, 20 pages, Becky and Kathy made me say, I could do that. I, yeah. I didn't even think of that. That was a great idea. Yep. And you know it's a good book when you you tell yourself, I think I can do that. I know that I am looking at Skype. Um, we've talked a lot about we always bring speakers in. And, you know, sometimes the speakers that we bring in, um, as much as they really want to help the kids, um, they're not always um, – I shouldn't say entertaining, but they're not always engaging for the students. And so I was thinking about what, you know, like in accounting is an example. 
uh, being able to kind of go to, they have uh, websites that you can go to to look up uh, and contact people around the world mm-hmm. that you can interview. And I'm thinking, what does accounting look like in England? What does accounting look like in Africa? What does accounting look like in Australia or New Zealand? It might be great to find contacts there that you can actually do a Skype with that can share with the kids um, the ways that they do accounting and identify ways that are the same and ways that are different. Yeah. And that's right there is a takeaway. They um, they also talk about sway here about how to use it for like a storytelling for the students so they can actually do that storytelling so they know where to stop and start, even portfolio, using it with teams, even finding a way to really use a OneNote, which Kathy and I really have never used OneNote very much. Well, a lot of lot of issues we're having right now with Microsoft is the availability to get some of these tools. They don't seem to be working with us. So um, it's actually getting in contact with Nick to find out some reasons. But I think, you know, this book has got a lot of potential um, um, and I'm excited about it. It's, it's almost overwhelming, you know, because yes. I think I'm on the next step to go to that next level um, of, of using things. But the thing that I like and I think it's across the board in all the books that we've read so far is that when you're talking about sway and you're talking about storytelling or you're talking about projects that the kids mm-hmm. do, that number one, kids are going to pretty much mimic what they see. And it's not until they begin to take ownership of it that you're going to see them to make it their own. So they at first might do a project that looks somewhat like your project. If you gave them an example, right? the goal is to get them to move beyond that and to keep them. This is that failure part. There's one level where they start and they have something that looks kind of like yours. And then you have them go back and say, okay, but how, how can you make that better? Until they start taking ownership of it and actually make it their own, where it looks like their own project. They've moved away from what yours looks like. So it's building on that creativity, but giving the concept and recognizing that at first they're going to mimic. Yeah, exactly. And then from there, once you can get them and keep challenging them about how you improve it, how you make it better, it goes back to it's not okay. It's not done. Yeah, exactly. This product is not done yet. It's not ready to be sold. You kind of made something like mine. But how do you make it uniquely yours and you keep building on that so that they finally come up with a product that is uniquely theirs? And it might be whether they're working collaboratively or on their own, but just letting them finish a project and say it's done now um, when it doesn't really hasn't taken any um, identifying features of the student. Um, you can't let it stop. And this that. is how this, and also this is how sales something ties with all the other books. Like I'll go back to Michael. Um, he talked to me when we were at um, um, now IdeaCon in Chicago last year. But he told me about his entrepreneurship class where he had students create this incredible game, and he was telling me about. it. I said, Michael, where can I get? It? I want to get that game. But he told that the kids came up to him like, so, so, Mr. Cohen, I'm done. And he said, No, you're going to get an A. But next year you're going to find funding because I think you have somewhere to go. So he's trying to tell me, no, now is the next level for this. Yeah. And, you know, when you're looking at projects, you know, I think as teachers, and and I grew up with this, is that they do a project and they're done with it. Mm -hmm. But these books are challenging me to say, well, maybe they're not because maybe that project is not is no more than a reflection of what they have seen from the teacher, you know, and, you know, you might not want to show them different things. I know some people say, don't give them something to emulate, you know, some people say, give them something to emulate and, but then make them continue to grow with it so that it's not just like their neighbors or their friends that they actually begin to embrace it and 
begin to develop it into something that's uniquely theirs. Yeah, one of my big things I do in consumer and a, and a very, very unit, and uh, this throws out some other tools of mine, like how Buncey was talked about, but I said, you know, here's an example of mine, but they but don't make it like that. One of my biggest ones I always do use, like, you know, you have to make a meme and an info pick based off something you learned in this lesson. But I have a lot of kids that just say, hey, I can just go to Creative Commons, reuse, modify, make, and just use a meme or an info pick there. I'm like, nope, 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 that doesn't work. Nope, mm -hmm. I want you to do an original. Don't do somebody else. Now, can you look at it for inspiration? Say, hey, I'll do something similar to that. Yes, you are. But then I always tell them, like, but spelling counts. Yeah. Well, you know, but it's always going back and saying, but how do you make it better? Yeah, exactly. You know, how do you approve? I know that when we um, use Scratch in our classrooms for intro to computers, you know, they start off with, um, you know, they might use an example project that is given there. You know, they kind of go through, but then we keep going back. Yes. But how, how do you make it better? How do you improve upon it? And so they have to keep building that until all of a sudden they end up with a product that is not anything like that they started. Exactly. I mean, one of my biggest ones in multimedia is when we used Adobe uh, Spark. Um, one of the biggest ones I want to do is similar to the Would You Rather, which is seen on both Instagram and Snapchat and now TikTok. But I did it on Flipgrid using the tools, and they had to communicate. So then this way, it like opened it all up to the communication of the kids, and they were doing their reaction. And then they said, okay, now, now would you rather do X, Y, and Z? Because I told the kids, like, well, like, what do we do? I said, whoever posts first, and just go off with that. And I said, you're just going to go, and you're going to communicate. And it, and it turned into something just amazing to where I had the kids later in the semester, can we do something like that? And I said, part of your genius hour? Yes, I want to see that. Because... I think I saw more interactive without say, oh, Flipgrid. I have to go record my save. Oh, Wakelet. Okay, share my portfolio. Let me throw my, here's my, here's my Photoshop project, whatever, versus, oh, I could do this. And then that person said this. You know what? Maybe I should say this and say, it, 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 it just mm -hmm. opens them up. Well, you know, going back to what Michael Collins said about consumers of a product, you know, when in the business world, when people make a product, they don't just stay with that product. Mm -hmm. You know, they try to make it better. They try to prove upon it. Sometimes it fails, like in the situation with Coca-Cola. They tried to make a better Coke product. People didn't like it. So they went back to the original, but they still kept the other one. Right. So, but, you know, when we look in our classroom, when our kids come up with products, um, I think that creative juices, you have to remind them that they're never done. You're never done with that project. No. I think about how often, Ryan, when we set up every year, we go through, and it's so hard for us, we have a lot of different props. Yeah. But we are constantly um, changing. We never can have the same same activities, the same things every year because we come up with better things. It's that constant creativity never stops. And when you have a product that you have the kids come up with, it never stops. They have to realize that when next time they look at that product, they're going to say, but I could have done it this way, or I might mm -hmm. make it better this way. That's when you know you're really reaching them is when they realize that they can do better. Yeah, and that's my biggest thing is like some lessons I've been teaching. You know, I've been here at Stillman now hardly four years now, but one of my biggest pieces was is I keep going back to lessons that I improve upon. I improve like my my end of my unit in consumer ed, we're always looking for, you know, a home budget. They have to find a car or, or a house or a mobile home or apartment. But every time I was like, like, how can I improve? And I had a Google Maps one time. I said, hey, that might be a great house and that might be a great price. How much do you know about the neighborhood? And they do the street view saying, I don't think I want to go a mile south. <laughs> mile north, who cares? But mile south, I think I want to say, but that tells you right there. You know, you know, you have like, here's a nice part of town, but if you go too far south, it's maybe it's run down. Maybe there's, maybe there's, you know, a junk 
pile there. Maybe you're going to be doing that. Or same thing with, you know, learning online. Yeah, check, checks are slowly going away, but you still got a debit. You still got a budget. But what's yeah. a better way? And I have some kids that later on will come back to me. I had a student come back to me, graduate two years ago, just before we uh, kind of called it for remote learning. He told me, like, you know, I'm so glad you taught me that because if I wouldn't have known that, I don't think I would have been able to do this. I learned how to budget better things yep. to you. So I said, yeah, exactly. How can I do it better? Not just in the classroom. But outside the classroom. Yeah, because everything they do in the classroom um, should help them manage their lives outside. And and one of the biggest things is if, if coming up with a product that works, a product that they realize that what is never going to end. It's mm -hmm. a product that they always make better and better because that's the business world. That's where all these kids are going. If you're going to be a doctor, you're, you don't say situated with the same thing over and over again. You're always looking somehow to make it better for the people that you serve. Exactly. So anyhow, early on, but that's how we all give the thumbs up on all of these. Yes, thumbs up on Salem the Seven Seas. Oh yes. Well, welcome back to our recap. We're closing out right now. Uh, just a real quick review of our books. We looked at um, Control All Achieve um, by Eric Kurtz. The Microsoft Infused Classroom by Holly Clark and Tanya Avrith. An Educated Design by Michael Cohen. The Edu Ninja Mindset by Jennifer Burtis. Empower by John Spencer and A.J. Giuliani. And, of course, Sail the Seven Seas with Microsoft Education by Becky Keene and Kathy Kozeski. So, first of all, all these books, as you might have noticed, are uh, through the Dave Burgess Consulting or the IM Press, Innovative Mindset uh, Press, same from the Teach Like a Pirate and Innovators Mindset uh, crew. So, you can pick them up there or on Amazon.com. They are available both in paper and digital reading. Some of them right now are, if you are a Prime member, they're also on sale. Yep, so run there. And of course, Microsoft Infused Classroom, as well as Holly's other book, uh, the Google Infused Classroom, are available on Elevated Books. So you can check those out on either the websites or on Amazon or even barnesandnoble.com. Um, if you are, this is a note that Ryan and I want to give you, if you are reading or have an exciting book that you have read that you think will spice up the classroom for others, please let Ryan or myself know. We would love to do a podcast on the books you are reading. If you are willing to meet this summer to create a podcast with Ryan and I, please let us know. Um, we are very much anxious to hear from all of you. Another possible theme would be after participating in remote learning in this past quarter, if you have tidbits or words of wisdom that might improve the lives of teachers in our districts, please let us know. We would love to meet with you and do a podcast on your experiences in a way that will help other teachers who might be struggling with it. Yep, and you can find us on our Wakelet and Google Classroom links. You can find me, good old Ryan, at wakelet.com at uh, Mooper Films. Um, I'm on Twitter at Ryan7, that's his number seven. Also, my uh, blog, um, Dice Up the Classroom, at classroomnextlevel.wordpress.com. And you can find, I have uh, Wakelet as well. You can go to wakelet.com slash at Kathy Murphy 639. I'm also on Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. -E it would be at C Murphy 892-455-795-162. I have a Twitter account at MurphCat72. It's Murph, M-U-R-F. And you can also look at any of my blogs at KathyMurphy1972.blogspot.com. We will have those in the show notes as well if you want to click on that link and 
and check those out. So thank you for joining us for our very first episode of the Meridian MC USD 223 podcast. And we'd love to have some feedback from you on it. So please leave us a like or some voicemail here. and We would love to have you on. And also, if you're thinking of being interested on the show, please let us know in our contacts and we'll go from there. So thank you guys for listening to us here at the Meridian 223 podcast. Oh, we should give them their emails too. Murphy at mail.meridian223.org. And you can also find me at rreed at mail.meridian223.org. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>